Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Believers have God's promise that when we faithfully obey Him and don't give up, we will enjoy the very best returns. Let the Lord encourage your heart as Joe Vasek, pastor of Northeast Baptist Church of Danbury, Connecticut, urges us to stay the course. If you know the Bible at all, you know that the four books that we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are four separate accounts of the life of Jesus. Each Gospel presents the life of Jesus from a different angle. Matthew presents Jesus as being the King of the Jews. Mark presents Jesus as being a servant. Luke presents Jesus as being the Son of Man. And John presents Jesus as being the Son of God. And nowhere is this distinction between the four seen more clearly than in the first few chapters of each gospel. The book of Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews. In the very first verse of the book, he says, Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. And then Matthew proceeds with the genealogy that begins with Abraham, confirming name by name that Jesus is a Jew, passing through King David and proceeding generation by generation until it reaches Joseph, Jesus' supposed father, confirming that Jesus is in the lineage of David, which is essential for any man who would sit on the throne of Israel. Matthew's account of Christ's birth includes several elements of royalty. Only Matthew tells of the visit of the wise men from the east, and though very little is known of their specific identity, they were affluent men who were more associated with nobility than they were with the common man. Only in Matthew is the title, King of the Jews, used regarding the birth of Jesus. Only Matthew tells of the encounter of the wise men with King Herod. And only Matthew tells of the gifts that the wise men presented to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts fit for the king. Mark's gospel presents Jesus as the servant, which is why Mark gives no genealogies, no pedigree, no account of Christ's birth. A servant needs no pedigree. In the minds of most people, a servant's birth and standing are of no consequence. The only thing that matters about a servant is, can he work? Will he work? So Mark bypasses the details given in the other Gospels, and by verse 14 of chapter 1, Jesus is preaching. By verse 16, he's calling his disciples. In verse 23, he begins healing. In verse 35, he's rising a great while before day to labor in prayer. And in verse 38 of chapter 1, he begins traveling from town to town, serving his father. The servant Jesus gets right to work. Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man. The narratives of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and Mary in chapter 1 show that Jesus came from common working-class people. The account of Jesus' birth in Luke 2 shows the struggles of his parents living in poverty. Luke describes that his birth is attended by shepherds, who were the very definition of the common working man. And his lineage, given in Luke 3, begins with Joseph and works all the way back to Adam, confirming that Jesus is the Son of Man. The Apostle John, in his Gospel, presents Jesus as being the Son of God. John doesn't give us an account of Jesus' birth. He goes much further back than that. The Gospel of John begins with the same three words as the book of Genesis. In the beginning, John presents Jesus as the Word. And that title isn't figurative. It's literal. Jesus is the Word of God. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, 
and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the introduction to the life of Jesus as the Son of God. John, the apostle who penned this gospel, tells about John the Baptist, who introduced Jesus to the world. He gives details of John the Baptist's message that the other gospels do not give. Listen to the richness of John the Baptist's description of the Word, the Son of God. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. There's so much to ponder and understand in those statements. I encourage you to go to John chapter 1 and examine it for yourself. Let me close with what is one of my absolute favorite descriptions of the incarnation of Jesus. John 1.14 And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. This is the Apostle John, by inspiration of the Spirit, making a glorious doctrinal declaration. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God, the very Word that proceeded from the mouth of God in Genesis 1-3, saying, Let there be light. The Word of God became flesh, just as you and I are flesh, only His was not sinful flesh. The Word of God became flesh and lived among sinful men. And John testifies, We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He says, Only the life of the only begotten Son of God could possibly be as glorious as this life which we were blessed to behold. Christian, your Savior is the King of Kings, the humble servant the Son of Man, and the Son of God. And He knows you and loves you. Stay the course. We pray that today's program was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at staythecourse at nbcdanbury.org. God bless you. So dear Christian, stay the